0: This is no podcast music. Where's the NPR stuff? Marching band. Come on, man. The Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft. Politics, humor, the election, lawsuits, and a terrific visit with Kurt Schlichter, attorney for the Trump team in Nevada, Twitter on tour, retired Army colonel author of terrific books, both fiction and nonfiction, and they're all funny. We had a great visit, and you'll hear that in just a second. And we're doing an encore edition of the first episode of Antifa versus Mike Strickland to catch up some new listeners. This is an important case, and I want you to catch up with where we are. So start with the first one, right after my conversation with Kurt Schlichter today. It's all coming up on the program today, and it's a special edition. You no, know, it really is. Because sometimes people say things are special editions, like Sean Hannity always says on his show, because it's a day that ends in Y, that it's a special edition. And we're all supposed to go along with it and say, oh, okay, it must be a special edition. And then I watch a show sometimes, and I think... It's just like the last show I saw of his. And how is it more special? And sometimes he has different people hosting for the for him uh, on the show. And, and 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 then I think, oh, is this the special part of the special? And you know what? Sometimes it is the special part of the special. Because you just need a break from Sean. And sometimes I just want to say, stop yelling at me. Stop. I digress, though. It, it does remind me, however, that whole special edition thing. It reminds me of how everyone has an exclusive. Have you noticed that? Everything's an exclusive. And you think, well, I just saw William Barr on X number of cable channels. How is it that this is an exclusive interview when I've already seen him on three different other channels? And it's not an exclusive. They just call it an exclusive. They think you won't notice that Bill Barr's been on every other station or has done interviews with every conceivable kind of rag out there. So, so it doesn't count as an exclusive. It it does not. Oh, well, there go the standards. But this isn't special edition of the Victoria Taft Show. It is. It is because I said so. Now, remember to get in touch with me, send me your letters uh, to victoria at victoriataft.com. Or you go to my website, victoriataft.com, and leave me a message over there. Copies of for links to everything are, are over there. But if you do leave me a message via my website, it could take me a minute to see your message there since my, my message box is filled with emails filled with uh, Cyrillic letters. And I'm, and I'm pretty sure that whatever it says from the Russian troll farmers, that it's illegal. So it may take me a while just to get, kind of get through the, the inbox over there. Email might be the better part of valor over there. Now, also, at victoriataff.com, check out our Antifa action figures. Mock the block. The Antifa figures come on hats and shirts and cups. There's Radar of Soy Stream News, Che Che La Femme, Batgirl, Hillary, and all the real housewives of Antifa. And be the only one you know with the Gaslight Gang Antifa flamethrower on your morning coffee cup who else has that yeah no one mock the block now enjoy my talk and my laughs with kurt schlichter laugh along have fun see him at kurt schlichter on twitter uh, where he is routinely laying waste to anyone who dare annoy him Kurt Schlichter is a trial lawyer, retired Army colonel, columnist at townhall.com, the author of a dozen books or more. About half of them are nonfiction political books, the latest of which came out in the summer entitled The 21 Biggest Lies About Trump. And his latest fiction political thriller with his uh, protagonist Kelly Turnbull entitled Crisis is just out. And he's decided that he wants to put that in the realm of nonfiction as a result of what's been going on in our country. We'll get to the discussion about that coming up in just a moment. Kurt Schlichter, welcome to the Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft. Thanks for being here.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Well, we are living in very interesting political times, Kurt, and things, books are written about. So let's go to the surreal but the nonfiction Part of the conversation first, and talk a little bit about this election and what we're learning from the reaction to the election and what's going on. You were involved for a while in the legal battle in Nevada before you had to go into quarantine, and pres- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. It took a
1: virus to take me down.
0: Well, you sound fantastic. So, were you afflicted with the the Wuhan? Oh yeah, I had.
1: Oh, I definitely had it. it I. Uh... I, I start feeling like I had symptoms and uh, kind of like hay fever, and I was hoping it was hay fever. And I went to one of my clients who uh, is a doctor and said, hey, I need a test real quick. Tested me. Negative. I'm like, great. Oh. That's wonderful. Two hours later, I get a text that uh, uh, from somebody I've been working with that one of the members of the team had tested positive, And I was like, oh, crap. So I'm not going into work. I'm staying home. I'm trying to, you know, trying to isolate myself. And of course, I infect my wife. And uh, I'm I'm feeling, yeah, not so great. Wait a couple days. I go get tested again. I'm positive. My wife's negative. But she ended up having it worse than I did. Oh no! Uh, I felt like a very mild head cold, uh, little fever. For a short period of time, uh, never lost my sense of taste, though I had kind of a metallic taste. A little bit of a cough, um, scratchy throat a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, no no fatigue. Now my wife got real tired, got a uh, bad fever a couple nights, uh, felt nauseous. It, 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 the thing I've learned, and I've talked to a lot of people who've had it, uh, a lot of my All friends. Right. Uh, it it just seems to affect everybody differently we had i came out with like a mild but fairly lengthy head cold uh arena had kind of a mid-grade flu kind of experience um you know never had any breathing problems so thank thank goodness yeah no kidding um, yeah it's just it's it's just a very weird uh, a weird virus i've never had anything quite like it. it wasn't it wasn't that bad in and of itself. What was bad were all the steps I had to take to protect other people mm-hmm. and basically block myself off. So I, I, I couldn't go back to Nevada and work with the team.
0: Yeah. Were you offering any expertise from afar? Or?
1: Oh, when, when, when I was asked, I would give my opinion. But, you know, if you're fighting the battle there, you know, you don't want to call some guy with a disease and, uh, you know, yeah. and try and bring him up to speed on everything that's happened in the last hour before he can give you a good opinion. So I kind of was me and me and another person uh, were kind of
0: knocked out of it. Wow. So you're doing all right now?
1: Oh, I'm doing great. I'm well, well past the CDC, you know, healthiness, uh, uh, milestones. I I've learned a lot about what we know about the disease, which frankly, isn't that much. And, uh, you know, I'm well past 10 days from symptoms. I'm well past. uh, having a, uh, a fever, I'm well past uh, when my symptoms started to improve so uh, have we, have, mean,
0: have you been able to just ascertain whether or not you have any immunity whatsoever to it going forward uh,
1: it, it, it seems they believe that at least for a few months you're you're immune there have been people who've had it come back uh not many but uh you know i I, I think the answer to the COVID pandemic—it's a pandemic. Everyone's going to get it, pretty mm. much. You're probably going to get it unless we get a vaccine going, uh, which you know, you, know, it, you know, thanks to warp speed, it looks like looks like they're doing. But uh, you know, it's just—it uh, it, it is a pain, and uh, I, I do think that common sense uh, is the best way to deal. You know, I didn't go bother my elderly parents while I was sick. <laughs> You know, I did, I, I stopped just tackling old on people them. and coughing in their faces, which is, <laughs> you know, one well, of my hobbies. I like to grab a geezer and start hawking up a lung. Uh, Lick in their the refrigerator.
0: Mug. You yeah, know, the, the little handle on yeah, like the fridge. I do
1: that. Lick, well, I'm not licking a window. I'm licking refrigerators. You know, it, it just. You know, so I basically ruined all my hobbies. But, you know, it, 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 for most of us, it's not that bad. For people, there are some vulnerable people and. Uh, let them stay inside. Exactly. Uh, I think the rest of people need to open up. And uh, I'm no giant mask fan. I do wear a mask around the house because I literally had the virus. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, you know, I wasn't trying to show solidarity with, uh, you know, the uh, paranoids who uh, strap a face diaper on when they're alone in their Prius. Uh, I, I literally had it. So I literally wore a mask around the house and avoided, you know, the teenagers, but they avoided me. So, <laughs> um but, you know, and I just, I, 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 we acted responsibly and we've gotten through it.
0: So how has it changed your perspective? What will Thanksgiving look like at the Schlichters this year? It'll look
1: later. Oh. We're, we're going to put it off a little while uh before I go see my, uh, my folks. Okay. And Smart. I think that's just, yeah, just... I Look, it's it's a real disease, and it can hurt people. And 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 I, I you know, I'm I am an outspoken advocate of not shutting us down and not no foolishness like, you know, curfews and the rest. On the other hand, it it, it, it can be a real problem, and you know we can use common sense to uh, uh uh deal with it. The problem is there's you know Victoria, there's so little trust in the establishment anymore. Yep. There's so little trust. You almost want to say, "Well, it's nothing. It doesn't exist." Well, it's it, it's. It, I wouldn't call it a big deal, but it is a deal. And there are ways we can deal with it, like adults. Um, and and this is this is one of the problems with bad leadership. You know, I'm a 27 year Army veteran. Leadership's important. Yeah. Nothing functions without leadership. And one of the things that's cr- critical for a leader is credibility. Okay, you. Have to make good decisions, and you have to be seen as uh, making sure that you're taking care of other people. That, other, that 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 you're not being treated special. You know, as a commander, uh, me and Command Sergeant Major, I was a funny old lieutenant colonel, later full colonel in a brigade, uh, where I was deputy commander, acting commander, and the two people who ate last were always the highest ranking people. Mm-hmm. It was me and Sergeant Major. Every troop saw. You know, when it, when it was dinner time, they saw that I was not in line. Oh, I'd walk around the chow, make sure the chow was good. I talked to the troops in line and they saw that I got every one of my my men fed before me and Sergeant Major went and competed to be the last guy getting fed. Right, And that's, that's not a Kurt Schlichter thing. That's what leaders do. That's what American military guys do. You eat last and you make sure your guys know it so they know you're being taken care of. You don't cruise out. You don't tell your guys... Here are a bunch of rules that are going to really screw your life up. Maybe even put you out of a job. I'll be at the French laundry eating, uh, right. you know, uh, par and pepper risotto.
0: Is that what it was? Because that sounds fantastic.
1: Actually, actually, it does sound like it could be good. With
0: a little, with a little uh, cheese, a little Gruyere in there. Ooh, mm, that's what I'm, I'm actually talking about. I'm kind
1: of thinking about that. Let me. I'm going to work on that when I'm allowed to cook again, which I'm not. You're not? Oh my god! If I get you one can't more cook? dine and I can't cook, I'm
0: sick. You're still sick?
1: You no, said you no, felt but I, okay. I, I feel fine, and I'm probably okay. But we're going to give it a few more days. Okay. Well, I, I was just going to say, you know, d-
0: does that extend to you not taking the garbage out either? Or is, is this no, a scam you're I, running?
1: I, oh, I don't take garbage out. That's 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 a teenager job. <laughs> I, I I have my own mission, and they've got their missions. Uh, but uh, uh, which which is, seems to be unfashionable today, but. I was never a fashionable guy,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but no, I mean, I'm, i I look if I get one more DoorDash, I yeah. swear to God, you know, I'm. I, I'm like literally, my wife and I are like dreading meals, yep, because it's like, oh God, another, you know, we have to eat at another restaurant,
0: right? I and, mean, yeah, if, yeah. if we uh, we're living in the sticks right now, we moved from uh, South Orange County to the sticks in Washington State, and uh, DoorDash doesn't exist here, and I wish oh. I had DoorDash.
1: Hey, look, I I, look, it's been it's been very nice. And I'm always happy to, uh, uh, you know, help somebody who, uh, you know, make a a little money bringing me my Chinese food. That's Mm -hmm. great. Mm -hmm. But it's just I mean, it gets a little old. Yeah, I'd like to I'd like to go cook a steak. I, you know, I'd like to go make a spaghetti. I'd like to, you know, do some, you know, not get pizza. Uh, Although I am losing weight. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh that's, that's fantastic I, I mean i guess well it's you know,
1: getting, a, getting a potentially deadly disease to lose it probably not the best match oh maybe, geez, maybe skipping that. carbs would be more traditional but yeah. it's um you know it, it, look it's been a giant pain in the ass and it's kept me out of my office uh luckily i th- here's the funny thing Vitor. i worked the entire time oh, you uh, did. it did not it did not make me sleepy I did, uh, I was not napping and believe me, I love to nap. It's just glorious. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, no, I, I, I had the crisis to get out and uh, I had, you know, I edited it, uh, prepared it for production, you know, uh, put in, uh, you know, proofreader edits uh, and, uh, you know, got <sighs> it, got it up. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, You know, I just didn't do law. That was what my office has been doing.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, uh, you've uh, you've been a a person on the sidelines at the moment. And of course, you're in it as a town hall columnist, as a person who writes these kind of political thrillers, if you will. I mean, you're a guy who pays close, uh, very, very close attention to what's going on in the political sphere. What do you and of course, you're you're an attorney and, and you actually helped on the election. So what's it looking like for Trump right now?
1: do i think that we're going to find three judges who will uh choose the winner of the election based on what i've uh uh you know what, what what's happening in uh uh states that are not Nevada and i i don't know i I do not even know what's going on in Nevada but i'm not going to speculate cuz i worked there um look it's an uphill battle if that's what you're looking for if you're looking for uh, uh judges to install trump for a second term That's a uphill fight. Mm -hmm. It just is. I mean, that has nothing to do with my firm belief uh, that irregularities uh, caused uh, Joe Biden to win this time.
0: It's it's astonishing how many votes were cast for a guy who didn't actually go out and do much campaigning whatsoever. Let me ask you this, because the Brennan Center for... Law, the Lawfare crowd over at the Brennan Center has written a a piece in Politico today, which talks about um, essentially their work in the refs and they're trying to uh, bring some more pressure to bear on the U.S. Supreme Court by going back over their previous decisions in this election and talking about uh, the fact that they're extraordinary. I think the piece is called. Uh, breathtakingly radical. And you and I both know that John oh, Roberts... That's silly. I know, of course it is. And, you know, in terms of, well, ha- the legislature has to make the decision. Oh, that's outrageous. I can't believe that they Isn't would rely... is the Constitution? On- yes, it's in the Constitution. Well, well was, okay. So that's... They call type. it a new legal theory. Well,
1: <laughs> that's... Okay. Uh, look, John Roberts is a human puffball. Mm-hmm. And he's actually subject to this nonsense. He's one of the, here's the problem. When you've got a guy like John Roberts who thinks, well, my priority is to save the uh, credibility of the institution, you've immediately put the credibility of the institution at risk. Thank you. There is one way and one way only to save the credibility of an institution. And that is to perform the institution's job uh absolutely fairly and according to the previously established rules the minute you start trying to get smart and clever and try and preserve your credibility without doing the hard work of making decisions that maybe some people won't like you're really choosing to make decisions other people won't like right see you want to preserve credibility by making the decision in favor of the people you're afraid of and that's how you're going to preserve credibility.
0: That's exactly right.
1: And that, yeah, that's his,
0: That that's his
1: thing. And that is why he's absolutely wrong. And, of course, like our entire establishment, he's also absolutely convinced uh, not only that he's correct, but he's morally correct in, in essentially violating his own oath by uh, attempting a results-oriented jurisprudence. Um, in that way, he's like the... Uh, ruling class that runs all our institutions have you noticed that their corruption and incompetence are matched only by their awesome self-regard all our (laughs) all our institutions victoria are are old you look at them and they all the, the, the the most recent of them except for big tech um came into being right after world war ii or or pre and and at the NFL, right? The media, academia. You it, it, going to college today? Except for clothes, and maybe the number of girls, and maybe the fact the the number of boys who believe they're girls. Um, <laughs> is essentially the same today as it was in 1946. Yeah, you got compu- yeah, you got laptops now. Maybe you have better graphics, but it's still a bunch of young people uh, sitting around listening to somebody talking. Okay, education is still delivered exact I mean academia still delivered the same way. The schoolhouse is still the same way. Right. Um and 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 when I talk about academia, uh, you know, I'm, I'm talking about the mass academia that came with the GI Bill, because
0: mm-hmm. before
1: that, it was a little different because it was more exclusive. Although the the kind of technical thing, uh, the the technical delivery of the product was the same. But the NFL is not that much different. I think that's a great example of an institution that's uh, getting obsolete and destroying itself. The media, we had a bunch of networks in the 40s and 50s. Got a bunch of networks now. Yeah, we got cable too, but it's kind of the same. Hollywood's kind of the same. Uh, music's a little different, uh, though. Essentially, you're recording music and providing it to people for money, and sometimes playing it live. Um, you know, with concert tours and things. Um, what's another good institution? The military. The military. You look at you know, look at NATO. NATO's NATO came out in the late '40s. Its mission changed. Well, it 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 was supposed to keep the the Soviets in check.
0: There haven't been Soviets in thirty years, Victoria. So you're saying that they're old, they're and they're decrepit. They're old.
1: They're obsolete, and they're also run by the most incompetent ruling caste we've ever had. And and keep in mind, you know, all the folks who started these institutions. These were pioneers, right? These were, you know, you say what you want. I went through World War II or World War I, or I mean and they, they, you know they built something. They were the guys who built it. What's running now are the cultural trust fund babies, right right? Everybody <laughs> knows everybody knows uh, uh, Henry Ford. And maybe you know Henry Ford II. He, he was behind the Mustang. That's something good. It's also 55 years ago. Name a
0: Ford today. Uh, he's probably
1: He's probably parked in front of a crack house.
0: Oh, <laughs> you mean right? a member no. of the family? Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it's yeah. the the uh, derivative of the derivative of the derivative. Who's now sitting B- in front B- of a crack Bingo. house?
1: and that's that's the cultural heirs. Yep, are absolutely unaccomplished. You look at these people. Look at look at Joe Biden. He is he, a walking embodiment
0: you, of such a thing. He
1: was a walking mediocrity. Yes, he's never achieved anything. He's casually corrupt. Oh, he says the right things. He fits in at the parties, but he's got no vision. He's never earned anything. He's never done anything. He's, well, I mean, the, and he's a fool. The he, the, he's, the the people presuming to be our betters are much much worse. So the people that they they propose to rule.
0: So you're not concerned or uh, deeply concerned that some of these institutions are being they're riven by all of these uh, problems that we're having right now. And people are looking at them and saying, I do not have trust in those. And, and it's not all bad that this is happening. Uh, I suspect you would say change. things have to change. Well, let me things ask you have this. to
1: change. They're going to change whether we like it or not. And the fact that we don't have any trust in the institutions. No, and of course. Here, here's the test of the institution. Institution. No one believes in you anymore. Right. They don't trust you. Like institution, the FBI. Answer. The people are wrong. It's like it's like Seymour Skinner. Maybe it's the children who are wrong.
0: <laughs> so, do you think for one minute that the people who allowed uh, all of these crazy conspiracy theories about President Trump? From the fact that he was a uh, they called him a Russian secret agent, a Russian spy, uh, that he hired the hookers, the incontinent hookers, that he did any the number of things <laughs> to. Uh, and the, the the thing is, is that nobody believes these people now. They think the FISA no. court's a joke. They no. believe the FBI lies with impunity. They think if that the CIA jury, is just a bunch of hacks. Uh, if, uh, if, it, it
1: Exactly. If I was called to a jury. And and actually, I'm going to be called a state jury pretty soon, assuming uh, you know, assuming I test negative. Um, and it, it, it's not federal, a state. But if it was federal, and they said, well, you know, Mister uh, Mister Schlichter, you know, you're going to be presented with uh, evidence from several agents of the FBI testifying about this, you know, criminal case. Uh, do you have any pre-existing biases, uh, pre-existing? Uh, uh, beliefs about the FBI. I'm gonna go. Well, yeah, I don't trust them. Uh, they have, a, you know, their 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 crime lab uh, gave false information uh, to people in trials under oath. I mean, it, 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 it you know, their their leadership lied. Yeah, I I I, I presumably I, I would not, uh, it, 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 I would not take. You know, ten years ago I would have said FBI Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. Well, I believe them. They're the premier. And now it's like uh, if somebody got up there and said something, I'd go, no, you you have no credibility. I'd have to see much more evidence, Uh, evidence uh, uh, because the FBI's word is not good enough for me. It's actually bad.
0: Right. Rye Rosenstein. What a a tragedy. And
1: again, the the blame by the institutions would be like, oh, Kurtz is falling for conspiracy theories. Right. Right. You know, uh, uh, it's different ones that we promulgated. Exactly. But, (laughs) uh, but, But it's. Yeah. See, it's the children who are wrong. No, you've got to earn your credibility. And they they went and took a Nadler on
0: it. Yep. And they also um, rioted in the streets, said nothing about that. They did not talk about institutions tearing down the cops. Uh, Any number of things. Rod Rosenstein um, saying that he would wear a wire in or at least get a cabinet member to do that. Uh, it, it's, it's more than a joke. It's, it's a, a crisis. I think somebody wrote a book about that. And, yeah, I know. And, and, he... but I just wanted to say, do you deny, do you say one thing? Uh, do you, do you, uh, hesitate one second to say that those people who perpetrated those conspiracies against the sitting president of the United States and the guy who was running at the time for the presidency of the United States, don't, you don't think that they'd be beneath, uh, Cheating to win for Joe Biden? Do you? Trump
1: is literally Hitler. Aren't you morally obligated to stop Hitler <laughs> and to throw in a few extra votes in there? Exactly. As my friend Larry O'Connor pointed out, is throwing in a few votes in there—that's a moral thing to do. Yeah, I'm not even asking you to go back in time and kill baby Hitler. Right. I mean, this guy's literally Hitler, and if you got to finesse the voting a little here and there, well, you know, he won the he won the uh popular vote, which isn't a thing, but. Let's call it a thing. He won anyway. So it's not really that bad. Do you think for one second that second? First of all, I've never heard any of them articulate that it would be wrong to cheat. That's one of the things I've been looking for. I want some Democratic. I can't believe you're saying cheating would be terribly wrong. And we would absolutely accept the legitimacy of Trump if you know if uh, if he won. But they hadn't accepted his legitimacy in four years. Exactly. But the thing is, they wouldn't. So the The idea that there's some sort of moral gore, gore, guardrail that's going to keep, uh, uh, you know, uh, the Democrats from Thelma and Louising the car over the cliff uh, into uh, voter fraud is just ridiculous. That's not. That's not a thing. Right. It's not going. It, it's not going to stop them. Uh, in fact, I think they would do it if they could get away with well, it. In fact, I think they did do it.
0: I do too. Um, I just don't know how. The
1: question is whether you can. Uh, uh, go and prove it with substantial, admissible evidence. And as we've seen today with the uh, uh, Sydney Powell issue, uh, you know, apparently, you know, and I don't know anything about it more than anyone else does. I have read that the Trump campaign said, "Wait a minute, you're saying Brian uh, Kemp is uh, taking bribes, and there's these giant systemic, uh, you know, conspiracies." <sighs> yeah. Let me see some evidence, and she didn't show the evidence to who the trump people the trump law lawyer people again stuff i've heard in open source you know outside and when she didn't show them they they were like okay you're cut off uh very different from you know turning down tucker carlson or turning down or you know the rest of the media um you know when you're then when the purported client doesn't get to see the evidence that becomes challenging if that's what happened in any case we know what happened where they said look she's not part of our legal team
0: yeah that was a very um, short and sweet little statement made today or made when we're recording um, um and so that's kind of frightening yes it was uh, uh
1: yeah i you know they must have uh, had a uh, they must have had their uh their reasons um i think uh you know my my tendency is to give sydney powell the benefit of doubt because yeah. she was the old she was the visionary who understood what was truly up with uh, General Flynn, and she proved it. And I think, you know, she she earned some credibility, um, but apparently the people in the know want to go in a different direction.
0: And... I will say this about the news conference with Rudy and Sidney Powell the other day that people were so horrified by. I mean, the folks who take the cruises thought, oh, my God, this is terrible. Uh, But one of the things I really enjoyed about it was the fact that Rudy Giuliani was so struck by the fact that mail-in balloting is is, uh, in and of itself easily corruptible. And I loved the fact oh, that yeah. he he held up the mail-in ballots and and the, removed the secrecy ballot or the the secrecy envelope from it. And I thought, well, you know, finally, I I know as a person who's been in Oregon for years since they've had mail-in balloting that it's a de- it's a disaster. There's only been one Republican who has been uh, elected to state office, and that was because the other guy was the guy who put the bakers in. He wanted to send up the bakers to prison uh, for uh, not uh, making a gay cake or something. And, and so people were like, wait a minute, this guy's even. So anyway, they elected a Republican and that's the only guy. So it was inspiring to me to have these people with this kind of attention paid on how corrupt that system is if nothing else gets done at least people will understand that mail-in ballot balloting is susceptible and when you mail out ballots to every single person who voted in the last election or may maybe they didn't i don't know on the voting rolls maybe aunt harriet from uh wisconsin was in the pennsylvania voter rolls for all we know uh but that is a problem that is a big problem
1: no, it, it's terrible. And I think uh, one of the important things for the president to pursue this is to bring these uh, issues to light. And uh, look, we have a lot of state houses now. It's time to mobilize the Republican state houses in, in a number of things, including elections, election reform. Uh, I, I, I think the uh, answer to a lot of this um uh, uh, conservative deplatforming where regular where businesses, including tech, but other businesses just think, oh, we're, we're going to cut off access to conservatives uh, to the means to live to, to you know enforce conformity. I think, uh, you know, a state legislature saying, oh, well, we're making that illegal in our state. So if you want to write off Texas as a place you're doing business, uh, you know, such and such uh, uh, payment system. Uh, Fine. But uh, we're going to uh, we're basically going to cover these with consumer laws. And I I do a lot of consumer stuff Mm -hmm. and consumer laws are very, very powerful, uh, including attorney's fees, injunctions. uh, And they are designed basically to make sure that, you know, if there's a problem, a company basically settles. And, uh, uh, you know, state legislatures are perfectly capable of uh, uh, creating a set of laws. That it, that uh, uh, protects people exercising their political rights, just as they would someone exercising their uh, uh, freedom of religion, mm-hmm. uh, exercising their rights as a member of a, a ethnic or racial group, uh, or anything else. Mm-hmm. So, I look. I think. I look. We. I think we're more likely not to have the Senate. I think we're very close in the House. We've got the Supreme Court to stop some of the craziest stuff. But I think if we're going to make progress in the next uh, few years, assuming as it is, it's more likely and not Joe Biden's inaugurated, that uh, uh, it's re- uh, Republican states are going to have to put their foot down uh, on things like election law and deplatforming and all the rest. That's where we make progress.
0: What's your reaction when you hear Biden saying he wants to get together and and come and heal the nation?
1: Oh, OK. That, that's great. What <laughs> are you going to do to make me what are you going to do? Because you're a you're the guy a you're the guy who has won. So you've got the power. B, you're the guy who wants to unify. What are you giving me? What do I get? What what thing that's important to me? Are you going to forego? To demonstrate your good faith, you're not going to try and steal my guns. You're not going to hassle my religion. Are you not going to put a couple million people out of work by banning fracking? What what it's hard and meaningful for you? Are you not going to do in order to demonstrate to me that you want to unify? And the answer is to stare at you like you're crazy and say, no, no, no. When I mean unify, I mean you submit. You just stop fighting. That's that's unity. But that's the unity of the grave. And I'm not interested in that. So he doesn't really want to unify. What he wants to do is shut us up. If he wanted to unify, well, that's a hard thing that's going to take that 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 has a price that he's got to pay. He wants unity from us. That is if he and I guess what he means by unity is to lower the rancor and stop. uh, You know, stop constant opposition and stop a refusal to negotiate and talk. Well, he's going to have to give us something because he's the guy who has something to give. Right. He's going to be the president.
0: He's uh, yeah, he's Uncle Sugar.
1: Yeah. So so what's what's the great you want to unify? What are you going to pay to unify? Because I'm not going to just do it because you asked me. What's in it for me? What do
0: I get out of it? You're unpatriotic for saying that, Kurt Schlichter. You, you are yeah, just I, terrible. I,
1: there's nothing I love in a guy who uh, faked asthma to get out of Nam, telling me I'm not patriotic. <laughs> he and Blumenthal ought to go frickin', uh, uh, uh you know, clink their medal of honors together with uh, Audie edge oh, You know, if one more Audie if one Buttigieg. more dipshit starts <laughs> off with his uh, starts off with his country over party. Th- Thing. And the closest thing to a uniform they ever wore was a little frickin sailor suit as a two-year-old. Uh, I, I made projectile vomit.
0: Um, OK, uh, well, well, we'll cross that path when we get group bridge or whatever euphemism I want to use. Um, so what do you think? And now in, in retrospect, if you know we're looking at a possible Biden presidency, the president's uh, legal choices are winnowing down. Where do you think he didn't get it done? If you're Trump,
1: um, I think one of Trump's—you have to accept Trump as. Let me move back. You have to accept Trump as a unitary whole. Trump. It, it, people want to cafeteriaize Trump. I love the. I love that he's a rebel. I just wish he wouldn't tweet mean things about Rosie McDonald. <laughs> Yeah. Donald Trump is the anti Bush. George Bush came in office and as soon as there was a problem in Florida, he could turn to James Baker and, you know, James Baker could turn to 10 big law firms and they have 100, you know, Harvard lawyers down there with briefcases uh, setting up war rooms and ready to uh, ready to battle. Right. Right. Because he had a Rolodex. And we saw with the president, he, he had a lot of problems hiring people. Yep. You know at the beginning you think he knew you know this that, that, uh, that Tillerman guy oh yeah Rex Russ Tillerman or Rex Tillerman whatever that you think he knew that guy he didn't know that guy he went in his phone Bush had Bush you know Bush knew exactly who was going to be in his government long before he got elected because he was a Bush because he was a regular politician and they had a dynasty and they had contacts and stuff Trump didn't have that and for five years Uh, He he won, but it was a lot harder than it would have been if he had had that group of people. Now, to some extent, that group of people exists because there's, you know, people, veterans of the administration. But you still can't do something like ring up five, you know, white shoe law firms in a heartbeat, Uh, especially when you have the left trying to uh, dox dox them all and all that shit. And, of course, there's no one more gutless than a lawyer. Um,
0: (laughs) I've noticed they chased yeah. out two sets of lawyers in, in PA. That's absurd.
1: Yeah. The, the, the thing is, we're going to have to, the, the, the next guy is going to have to have, is not going to have to have, but is more likely to have uh, uh, that kind of contacts. Uh, the other thing is, we have to understand decoupling. We have to understand we're going to have to build our own institutions. There's going to have to be a republican electoral law firm out there. And my vision for that would be, you know, about 100 lawyers. And instead of Republicans throwing money at them, you know, Republican companies throw some business at them. So they've got something to do uh, between elections. Mm-hmm. But uh, That's a good idea. Yeah. But the, 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 the thing is, you know, these are hard anyway. I mean, when people are committing fraud, it's not like they wear a big sign that says, hi, busy committing fraud. And you have this, this, this you know, abbreviated timeline to get stuff done after an election. It, 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 you know, it was very hard from the beginning. Uh, and they had to get started, you know, within 24 hours.
0: Yeah. And so, they made some missteps. Once again, people well, are they, not beating down the doors to work for Trump. Uh, and so what did they end up with? Uh, people who just did not know election uh well law. it's not
1: look there's a place for litigators and a place for election law guys the litigator doesn't need to be an election law specialist needs to know how to present a case
0: okay fair Election enough.
1: law specialists are guys writing the motions and stuff and there are some good ones i worked with some good ones republicans have those do
0: you think rudy giuliani is up to it
1: well it would depend on what you remember he was a very very oh i know very well respected prosecutor I know. um You know, does he have the same vibe as James Baker? I'm not sure. Um, Plus, I mean, there's a lot of factors here. One of the first things is there was no preparation of the battlefield. The Democrats were suing these uh, uh, municipalities years and months before this all happened Mm -hmm. to to eliminate uh, voter fraud protections and. Republicans didn't do anything to stop it. And that's a, That was a huge error.
0: I, I would uh, agree with that. But they did go to court to fight off some of the things that were going on in, in Pennsylvania and Wisconsin. Certainly. They, got, they
1: got a couple, but, you know, they they didn't systemi- systematically uh, challenge a lot of this stuff. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, and Republicans are dumb, you know, signing <laughs> consent decrees like they did in Georgia. Mm. Well, this I, I don't want to accuse us of not like letting Governor Stacey Abrams take office. I'll just sign whatever they slide in front of me. Yeah, What the hell are you thinking? Well, they're not. Remember, Republicans are soft and love institutions, even though institutions are hard and hate them. Um, I, I One of the great things about Trump, and one of the, one of the requirements for the next election, uh, uh, presidential candidate I, I don't think trump's gonna run again in 2024 i could be wrong uh i think is a certain uh hardness a certain I, I don't give a damn what you think of me i, I mean i i mean at all uh, trump just didn't care and that was revolutionary. You know, all george bush did was care remember why he wouldn't fight back oh, i don't i don't want to take down the dignity of the office trump's like what dignity of the office and that's a great question. Yeah,
0: that's a good point.
1: Yeah, you know, you you got you got Bush. Well, uh, go go
0: ahead. No, but. no, George Bush. Um, God bless him, the compassionate conservative, who uh, was Bush Hitler. I, yeah, I read it, it, it stuck everywhere. Stuck us in the back. Yeah, exactly. yeah. I mean,
1: he was he was so compassionate that after. You know, me and everybody else defended him for eight years when he wouldn't man up and do it himself because, like John Roberts, he cared about the institution more than he cared about the institution doing its damn job. And then when his fat puffball of his brother got his ass kicked by uh, that, uh, oh, well, I never Donald Trump, uh, (laughs) Bush decided he was going to side with the people who were screwing with him and who hated his supporters, basically saying, well, you know. I'm going to stick with my Harvard pals rather than those, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, people who sweat when they work uh, types who supported me. So George Bush, for all his class and character, was a gutless coward who stabbed his own supporters in his back. He betrayed us literally by, you know, I saw I saw uh, Bush. I I mean, I saw Obama out there uh, uh, backing up uh, the guy his people were supporting. I didn't see Bush out there uh, doing the hard thing of swallowing hard, eating his pride and supporting the guy his supporters wanted. Mm -hmm. Okay, I put my ass out there for Bush. In fact, I, I went to war under Bush. And when I needed Bush, Bush told me to kiss his ass. He's busy painting pictures of the guys he freaking maimed in his dipshit wars. So I've got no freaking use for that piece of shit.
0: Okay. Speaking of that, I mean, you do know the ins and outs of politics. You take a look at what's going on in the culture uh, and you write about them in your books. And your political thrillers with your protagonist, Kelly Turnbull, are set, at least I understand, in sort of a a post-America, separate.
1: Uh, The novels are are, uh, the novels. They start with People's Republic. Uh, which I wrote in 2016 as uh, kind of a lark, uh, and I, I, I kind of exaggerated a lot of things. I thought you know, a very PC blue America split away from a, a red America that's much redder, uh, and the uh, the idea is uh, there's a uh, you know special forces guy because it's you know a fun novel that you read with action and stuff, and he he he's the guy who knows how to go into blue areas to accomplish missions. He'll rescue people or get the computer or find the macguffin or do whatever and there's lots of shooting of guns and mocking of liberals excellent it's actually you know i I, it's very funny i mean my new one uh crisis which is the fifth and actually goes back to the beginning and talks about how america split into red and blue Uh, i've got eric swalwell shows up aoc (laughs) shows ilan omar shows up uh you know and their conservatives ned searcy shows up uh, Larry O'Connor, Dana Lash shows up. I mean, it, look, it is not a grueling, batan death march of uh, grim seriousness. Uh, there's a lot of funny stuff in there. There's a, a lot of stuff that's uh, uh, kind of scary. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that you know. Occasionally, it gets moving. Uh, there are a couple scenes in there. I when look when I first started Victoria, I was like, ah, I don't want, I don't want a character, right? No, right. I just want action guy. And over five books, you know, he's developed into like kind of a, a three dimensional, three dimensional character. You know, it's oh, and it's not that guy that miserable uh, hack Netflix stuff where it's like, you know, I've got a lot of issues with my dad. Crap. <laughs> huh. It's it, I, I, you know, it's a guy who sees his country going down. He sees horrible things. Um, uh, and he's got, and he has questions about it. And He, you know, as America's splitting apart and they're trying to keep, you know, terrorists from turning it to, into a civil war, he's got questions about his role. Am I doing the right thing? You know, mm-hmm. should I even be taking a side? You know, what, what are we doing here?
0: What would he do in an, an Antifa riot in Portland?
1: Well, what he does when he meets the Antifa guys in in Minneapolis which he has to infiltrate and has been completely taken over as the not only they've abolished the police, they've abolished the government. So it's kind of an Antifa government. What he does is, well, let me tell you, he's, he, he carries his four five and it gets a workout.
0: Mm-hmm. Good. Um, Lots of action. Who, who's, who's your inspiration in terms of authors?
1: I have shameless, you know, it's very visual. Uh, and I, I
0: like I it, love this a, genre, by the way. I love I love Brad. I, I, I love I, I Vince used to Flynn. Like the genre. <laughs> it's like
1: stand up comedy. I can't now that I when I did stand up, I couldn't. Wa- I can't watch stand up anymore.
0: Oh God, you, knew, uh, and you know I too read, much. I can't, read,
1: I can't read like Brad Thor, but I, I don't. I don't
0: really like Brad Thor books, but I, I can't read. <laughs> well, you should read my friend John Trudell. I do his audio books. Yeah, he's oh, okay. he's he's of that genre. Well, look, he's he's I, good stuff.
1: And it's not. and I'm not against them. I I, I used to like them, but I can't. It's very hard for me to read other people's stuff. For instance, I read uh, uh, Jim Garrity's uh, Hunting for Horseman, uh, which just came out about a week or two ago. And it's it's a good book. It, and I, but but I, I read it because he was a friend of mine. It's hard for me to read in the genre. I have, I have friends who write in the genre I've never – I literally talk to every day or two, and I've never read any of their books because it's just very hard for me. Unless unless they ask me, Kurt, I need you to read this book. It's hard for me because I'm always taken out of it going, oh, I uh, next one, next book of mine, I'm going to do this. Uh-huh. Oh, man, that was a great idea. Now I'm ticked because I can't use it because right. he used it. I
0: know that feeling. I do know that uh, and feeling. And the same thing when I was a stand-up.
1: I couldn't watch other stand-ups, even though I love comedy. Because you'd be I mean, accused it, of it, stealing. It, what, no, when, it wasn't out of self-defense. It was. It was just that it's just, it's just hard to watch other people doing what you're doing because you're so out of it trying to become better yourself. If that makes any sense, mm. but I, I'm, I'm I, yeah, I'm not against any of the folks. I just, I, I, just I, I just it's just hard for me to do. I'd much rather sit and write my own, uh, and I have my own. I, I mean, I have a very distinctive style, as you might, might oh, yeah. imagine. Oh <laughs> uh, and I, I think the books are a lot of fun uh and uh but but they're very cinematic i visualize a scene and then i describe the scene i think that's the best way to put it i i i am a uh a visual thinker i think in movies i grew up watching movies in the 80s uh and i have uh, i'll tell you you watch read my books and you'll be like oh my gosh okay he took that scene from the hotel shootout in 48 hours <laughs> he 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 that there he's that one he's calling back where he dare oh my gosh this uh this is uh, uh he's uh he's referencing zulu oh. which plays a big part in uh uh crisis uh it's just i, I, I mean I, I and there's always references to the movie heat all over the place so oh, funny and uh I'm, I'm just shameless about them and i admit them regularly somebody's like i can't believe you 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 rip off all these all these movies i'm like Uh, ripping them off Uh, it's not a rip off if i'm saying hey wink wink look what's happening here it's kind of like that
0: little easter eggs escape from new york Mm -hmm. little easter eggs in there for uh, you it's all done
1: from love and man if somebody and and frankly if somebody could go discuss goes gosh man you know like wildfire has a lot of escape from new york in it if somebody reads wildfire and goes my gosh you know i'll I'll go watch escape john carpenter's escape from new york well good Yep. I want him to and, and it's not like word for word but you but you get the essence oh hey he's you know doing this 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 crazy stuff hey that seems similar Mad Max wow I it's I I, I think it's so much fun to write Yes. it's, it's so hard much though fun right no no writing's the easiest thing on earth for me it's it, 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 because I'm I'm describing scenes in my head I, I'm writing jokes uh not not exactly in joke form although my town hall column if you're a stand-up comic and you're reading my town halls <laughs> you'd be like holy crap it's everything set up punch or tag <laughs> it's 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 all stand-up you know and i and, and i throw in you know i'm a war call co- i'm a strategic strategic studies master's guy from the war college i mean i've I got i got i got a couple chops here and there yeah you do but i could throw it in with a you know an eric swalwell Flawulence
0: joke. Honestly, Eric Swalwell. I I know we got to wrap. He's in the book. Eric Swalwell and Ted Lieu, and My Adam Schiff, and Adam Schiff. Those three. They they're are. All,
1: they all appear.
0: They're the troika of terror. I mean, these guys are so. They uh, there's got to be a T word that I can include that means vapid. Uh it is <laughs> stunning. How uh, just. Ugh.
1: They're so incredibly unaccomplished.
0: Well, and they're accomplished liars. They're accomplished I mean, they're liars. Just, they're, they're, accomplished liars.
1: they're not even good at that.
0: Because you
1: don't have to be good at being a liar because the media doesn't check you. That's the thing. Have you ever noticed how these guys are never in a situation where they get challenged? And when they sometimes come up against like uh, a Ted Cruz on a congressional panel or something, and they can't get away and they just get torn apart because they're 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 actually quite lazy. You look at yeah. you look at Great Britain and they have what's called question time in Parliament. And the prime minister sits down there and everybody can ask her questions or him. Uh, I keep thinking of Thatcher. To, to me, it's always Thatcher. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, you've got to be good or you're going to get laughed at. And the British really hold that in in high regard. So even though the media is very left wing oriented, you know, if you're a left wing uh, uh, member of Parliament, you still have to be sharp because you're going to have to deal with those Tories. And I'll tell you, the British will tear you up if you're not if you're not ready. Oh, here fun story by the way, election day. I had a uh, I, I I did British uh, British TV, <laughs> and uh, one of the people because. And what do you, what do you think the uh, with the, if 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 if, uh, if Joe Biden is elected, what do you think the uh, do you think America will make a move towards uh, a responsible climate change policy? <laughs> and I said, uh, climate change is a hoax. It's a pagan religion for a bunch of Prius driving weenies from Marin County who've uh, thrown over God and worship uh, the weather. Uh, I, I don't believe that the temperature in a century from now should have uh, the the potential predictions regarding the temperature in a century from now when a weatherman can't tell you if it's going to rain in two days uh, should have (laughs) zero impact on public policy and I would hope it has none and I I swear I thought she was going to have apoplexy (laughs) she'd literally never heard anybody anybody (laughs) <laughs> who, who didn't believe in climate change huh. and who, you know, was able to string a sentence together. My gosh, if she had only asked me about the Second Amendment and Uh-oh. my deep and abiding belief that every uh, healthy law abiding American adult citizen should have a fully automatic assault rifle uh, and sufficient ammunition in order to defend themselves, their family, their community and their constitution.
0: Come take uh, my turkey. I,
1: yeah, uh, yeah, I think uh, yeah, I think she might have. I think she literally might have fallen on the floor and, and and twitched until someone stuck a spoon in her pie hole to keep her from swallowing her tongue. Oh my
0: god! I went on the beebs one time. Uh, I think it was a couple of times, and they never asked me back because I just was on the wrong side of everything with them. And you'd think, well, oh, yeah. you know, we want somebody in opposition. Well, it's great, but I was a little too sp- plain spoken, and apparently that was just too much for
1: them. But they don't understand that there <laughs> in America there is actually an opposition. I mean, you just had uh, uh, that clown and I I, 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 what a waste of a a massive election victory. You know, uh, Boris Johnson saying we're going to bond all internal combustion by 2030. No, you're not. You hack. (laughs) A find a comb. Second of all, why? It's you know. uh, But yeah, I I, I was I, I, you know, I, I used to do a little Irish radio too. Really? And they would ask me about this. Oh, yeah. And they would ask me about the Second Amendment. I'd say, America, you know, what'd you, tell me about the American gun problem. And I said, well, it's a terrible problem. There are millions of Americans who have nowhere near enough firearms. <laughs> and, and, you know, he's like, I could just see him like tapping on the mic going, is this working? <laughs> but they, they don't understand that. And, of course, I'd always be paired with like a correspondent. I'd be like. Yeah. Where, where, where are you? I'm in I'm in Washington, D.C. I'm like, well, no wonder you you, you don't know what the hell you're talking about.
0: I, I did an interview with a guy from Car and Driver one time and oh, God bless it. I, I really wanted to talk to Brock Yates of, of old and I got Chabachetta instead. And he was the big shot and he lived in New York City. And he was of the opinion that one must never have a truck in on the West Coast. What do you have a truck for? A pickup truck. I was like, what? How How? How out of touch are you in New York City? What, do you have a driver or something? Or you just have someone else available to take you hither and yon? And, you know, the rest of us actually have cars and trucks that we take out here. Some people, I know this is hard to believe, are farmers and may actually need to put stuff in the back of a truck. It was just astonishing.
1: One of my favorite things was, uh, you know, during some gun thing, somebody said, well, you know, from like Idaho. Well, what happened? You know, I, I teach school. What if, happens if there's a bear? And they, there's hysterical <laughs> laughter. And he's like, No, I, I live in Idaho. Sometimes there are bears. What do you expect me to do? And the people are like, Uh, uh
0: what, bears? Bear?
1: And it's like, bear? we have an establishment, back to the establishment, the ruling class is so parochial. So lacking in any kind of experience except the very narrow, you know, as a teenager, they go to school and go to enrichment activities. Mm. I played the violin and I played soccer badly. (laughs) And then I did a project where uh, my mom would I would uh, design baseball caps and my mom would deliver them to the homeless. And that went my essay to Uh Wellesley. And there I studied gender studies and decolonialization theory. (laughs) And then I went to work at box and then I went to work at Buzzfeed and, (laughs) you know, I split my time between New York and Washington and uh, I'd like to explain to the rest of America about how shit should be. (laughs) And it's just like, um, no, you know, it's a, there was a, uh, you but know, they want I us mean, to pay for like, their college. Yeah, I, yeah, good. Yeah, that's gonna happen. I don't want to hear from any Republican who proposes to leave the party who hasn't beat the shit ass someone or got his ass kicked. Man, got his <laughs> ass kicked. You should also have lost a fight, so you know what it feels like. Uh, I don't want to take any lessons from anyone who has never sweeped out a toilet.
0: Oh. Well, for openers, do you actually call it sweep oh sweeping out the toilet like a large toilet at the, the barracks yeah, or something?
1: With, with like yeah, with like a mop. Oh and, okay. and, and, and right. you know, sweeping around it. And uh-huh. God knows whatever fluids you're picking up. That's <laughs> what I did at the Foster City Carls Junior uh for three ten an hour. And that's why I did as an army private. And while I'm you know, I own my own company now and I write best selling books and I'm an army colonel. With a bunch of degrees. I'm also a guy who knows how to clean a freaking toilet. Although my wife will tell you not very well.
0: At least Uh, you try. It may not
1: be my oof, but I understand (laughs) that Kurt Schlichter is not above doing those jobs. However, Caden and Ashley from Santa Monica or Scarsdale does believe they are above that. And that is a real problem. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kurt Schlichter, thank you so much for coming on and congratulations for having the number one book on Amazon for political fiction.
1: Thank you for having me. It's been a lot of
0: fun. It has been a lot of fun. Thanks again. Kurt Schlichter, huh. you see him everywhere, and now you've heard him on the Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft. Thanks again. Need
1: to get the out of here. Get out of here, racist. I'm not a racist. Dude, don't get the out of here.
0: Don't
2: put your hands up.
1: Don't you put your hands on me! Don't
2: put,
0: do put your hands on me! Do not put your hands on me! Do not put your hands on me! Put
2: your oh, out there! Oh, don't do it! Don't do it! Don't do it! They no. want gun! They want no. go. go. oh, a gun! He's got a gun! a all right, needs to get, the hell back. get the hell back! Get the hell back! I need someone yeah. dying yeah. by my side. Day nights on the balcony, listening to the rain pour, dripping off the building and hitting the concrete floor, searching for my soulmate. In the city of the roses, everybody's showing love, but my heart stays frozen. I just wanna be chosen to be the single handed reason that you wake up in the morning. I think about you when i'm all alone and i don't know if i can make it through this on my
0: own before the nightly riots we've seen in the news there was one case the first case the case of mike strickland
1: now at noon another court appearance today for the man caught on camera waving a gun at protesters in portland last month and now he faces a lot more charges michael strickland faces 21
3: counts connected to that incident
0: he was a journalist who was beaten by antifa and black lives matter protesters and he defended himself from the mob with his legal gun and not a shot was fired our position hasn't changed our client's position has not changed that he is not guilty that he was using the um, weapon to protect himself and he was doing so within his rights the only one hurt that day in july of 2016 was mike strickland and the only one punished was Mike Strickland, the victim. I'm of the firm
1: and steadfast opinion that when they come for Strickland's rights, they're coming for mine next.
0: See, Antifa says it's anti-fascist, but Antifa is really anti-First Amendment.
3: It's going back to the street violence of the 1920s and 1930s as a technique and a tactic, and the court system doesn't realize it's happening.
0: This is the story of Mike Strickland. Before Berkeley went up into flames. Before conservatives were told they couldn't speak on campus for their own safety. Before Kenosha, Minneapolis, Seattle. Before 100-plus nights of riots in Portland. Before it all, there was Mike Strickland. I call him the victim zero of Antifa victims. On July seventh, 2016, on a drizzly afternoon in Portland, The Antifa mob and their allies in Black Lives Matter came for Mike Strickland. The Portland videographer and gonzo journalist, as he called himself, was attacked twice by a mob at a Don't Shoot Portland Black Lives Matter protest. He was the first person I'd ever heard utter the word Antifa. I'd been a close observer myself of Portland Professional Protesters Incorporated through the domestic terror groups, the Family, Elf, Alf, Earth First, and their Brethren in the Animal Rights Movement. But the word Antifa, that was new to me at the time. I didn't connect it to the anti-fascist movement in Europe yet, but it made sense. When given a chance to disrupt, vandalize, loot, bash in Starbucks windows, Create chaos as the anarchists did most Maydays in Seattle and Portland. It made sense that they'd supercharge their tactics using now the imprimatur of anti fascist. I mean, what a great gig, right? Do harm, call everyone with whom you disagree a horrible person, racist, homophobe, white supremacist, neo Nazi, choose one of the above, you know, the whole basket of deplorables, and then call yourself virtuous. Portland's overwhelmingly white leftists, the goners, the dead-enders, serious anarchists, and true believers came together for more vandalism, violence, and called themselves moral and virtuous. I began to get the picture. I mean, they looked like the WTO mobs of Seattle in 1999. I'd seen the black bloc tactics, wearing black clothes, balaclavas over their faces or scarves over their mouth and nose, and caps over their heads before in Portland, but never under the Antifa umbrella. Like the violent mobs in Europe, Portland adopted the violent tactics of Antifa. It was July seventh, 2016, at a Don't Shoot Portland Black Lives Matter protest. Strickland did as he usually did on Portland protest days when he would go and record them. He got his go bag with extra batteries pulled together his camera equipment, and got ready to record the event for his YouTube channel called Laughing at Liberals. He holstered his Glock 26, a legally concealed weapon, and made sure he had several magazines, as he usually did whenever he went anywhere. Strickland, the libertarian, had created for himself a cottage industry of filming the left. He did so on local college campuses, board meetings, Council meetings, speeches, and sold his news footage to news websites and on television. You see it a lot now, but Strickland was a pioneer. Listen, if you will, to his three-plus-minute 2014 year-in-review program to get a flavor of the kind of work and success that Strickland had in Portland.
2: 2014 was a banner year here at Laughing at Liberals. We started off the year nailing some squishy Republicans. We covered the protests surrounding the near strike by the Portland Teachers Union. We popped up at numerous town halls to show the world the idiocy of Oregon's elected morons. We covered the gun bill hearings where Floyd Prezanski, Jen Lynch and Penny Okamoto showed us why the anti-gun groups are the easiest to mock and expose. Some
0: sellers said right, "There will be no back check, quote.
2: We made our yearly trek up to Seattle to cover the May Day protests. Oh then came the law and disorder conference at Portland State University, where the crowd chanted and cheered for the death of capitalism. Capitalism is law
3: this, Amen. let's bury Let's have soon.
2: And where different factions of anarchists and feminists started protesting each other.
3: We will not be
0: silenced in the face of your violence.
2: This would go on to be our biggest video, making it onto international news sites and even the Time magazine website. Of course, we sprinkled in the occasional politician ducking away from the tough questions. Are you going to testify on the uh, FBI investigations that are going on, or is Obama going to grant you uh, executive privilege like he's granted a Holder and other members? The Palestine and Israel conflict brought protests to the area. What? PSU began debating whether or not to arm their security force, which brought such quotes as... Because of the bias. because guns, guns do jump out of their and kill folks. We showed you how brain-dead the average Joe Biden supporter is.
0: Well, we like Joe Biden. He's got a great grin.
2: We filmed the unruly mob of illegal alien supporters. A devout communist on the Corvallis City Council was exposed. Then came the motherlode. The Ferguson-Michael Brown protests where the professional protester white kids constantly tried to tell the darker-skinned protesters how to protest. Infighting was common, riot cops used flashbang grenades, and moron protesters flooded the freeways. We even committed a crime to close out the year when we illegally made a firearms transfer in defiance of Washington's new law. All in all, 2014 brought us over a million views and nearly 2,000 new subscribers. We were featured on countless news sites, had our footage on Fox and NBC, and during Thanksgiving week we had three videos make the blaze, seeing two of them on the front page concurrently for the whole week. So as we look back. We'd like to thank our fans, all of the news sites and blogs that have carried our stories, and all those who share our videos with others on your preferred social networking site. What will 2015 bring? Who knows, but rest assured, Laughing at Liberals will continue to deliver the kind of in-person gonzo videos that we've specialized in exposing the whack-job politicians, mocking Moms Demand action and their associated wannabe do-gooders, and finding the important investigative stories that mainstream often misses out on. Goodbye, 2014, and we'll see you in 2015.
0: As you heard, he calls himself laughing at liberals, but in reality, the libertarian-leading gonzo journalist, as he called himself in the Hunter S. Thompson tradition, went after everybody especially the politicians and the anti-gun people. He turned a mirror on Portland's and Oregon's power class, the fleeing politicians, and they hated it, especially the anti-gun groups. He mocked them for their ignorance, amplified dumb stuff they'd say, and then just show them to people. In the early years, he could be kind of a jerk at protests, but he realized eventually that if he just sat back and watched... The people revealed themselves and their objectives, and all he had to do was get it on video and show it to people. And they hated him for it. They were the smart set. They were in power. They were the earnest protesters. How can you mock us when we are right? He turned on his camera, and he became successful. And they hated that his success was based on their bad behavior. Protesters began to turn on him a little in June of 2016, but more on that later. Suffice it to say, however, they didn't like him laughing at liberals. How do I know this? Because when I talked to a couple of anarchists in 2017, they said so. So James mentioned that a lot of people don't like him. Do you think they have it out for him? I wouldn't necessarily say have it out for him, but like he's got a YouTube channel called Laughing at Liberals. The, most, the, the,
1: the largest uh, activist community here is liberal people, so he's been trolling them. So
0: he's probably got a bunch of enemies. Um, so have it out for him? I don't know. Uh, I mean, would they lie to get to get at him? I think... I don't have a high opinion of humanity, so I think most people would lie to get at someone. So, sure, it's possible. Is he not well-liked? By a lot of the
1: activists here in Portland, I would say he's not well liked yeah. because of the nature of what he does. You know, He's got an unpopular political opinion here in lefty, liberal uh, heaven or
0: haven or whatever you want to call it. So, sure. So, yes, people don't like him. And on July 7th, 2016, they came for him. As Strickland was taking video as usual... A mob of black blocked out, flagstaff bearing Antifa activists surrounded him and threatened him and roughed him up. They called him racist, born of nothing, based on nothing. They knew Strickland and they knew it wasn't true, but they said it anyway. Those were the new rules. Strickland didn't leave. He retreated to the back of the mob and he retreated to farther outside the rally on a public street by the way, outside the all too familiar now Federal Courthouse in Portland. He kept recording. Antifa and the Black Lives Matter conspirators, yes, admitted conspirators came back to get him. We
1: need to get, out of here. get out of here, racist. I'm not a racist.
2: Dude, don't get the <pitemiological> out of here. Don't, do don't put your, your hands on out th- you don't don't out me. out of here. Don't put your hands on me. not put out of here, man. Do not put your hands, hands on you. you you me. Do not put your hands, hands on me. Put your f. Get down. Don't do it. Don't do it. They are doing him. They were doing that. They were pushing and shoving. He's got a gun.
3: He's got a gun. I don't
2: know why. Hey, stop. That's
0: Get the hell back! Get the hell back! One 400 pound guy came up on his blind side as if to tackle him. And he was the one who'd started the whole thing. And Strickland drew his weapon. His finger was never close to the trigger, but he drew his weapon and he told everybody to back off, gave them verbal commands. He tells the story a couple of years after that, as we met in a park outside of Portland.
2: So, I mean, the evidence shows these guys premeditating an attack. The evidence shows these guys encircling me from behind, led by a guy who's literally twice my size. Um, the evidence and, and, and statements... Uh, show that he was indeed pushing and shoving me and uh, possibly others as well because I'm sort of getting bounced around as he's doing that so it feels like people behind me are shoving me as well as I'm being encircled by these people. So, you know, the evidence shows that I'm retreating. The evidence shows that um, several other people came running into the scene, many of which came from the same spot where they were previously conspiring to come in and attack me. So, you know, part of me wonders, you know, if they were all in on it together or what. I don't know.
0: Well, indeed, they at least a couple of them said that oh, yeah. they had conspired to throw you out Yeah, yeah. before everything came together.
2: Mm-hmm. So, you know, and the evidence shows that I'm on the retreat the whole time. The evidence shows that... um You know, several of these people were aggressive in their posturing. The evidence shows that my attention was distracted to my right when uh, Carenza, the very large guy who started the entire thing, is is then coming up on what my blind side would be, coming up from my left side, and we established that he was about 11 feet away at that point in time, coming up towards me at that point. Um, And again, not meandering towards me. He's coming at me like he means business. And so at that point, you know, I had exhausted all these other options. You know, I issued verbal commands. I started retreating. I, I flipped my monopod around to use that as an intermediary defensive tool, you know, should they start hitting me with their flagstaffs or starting to punch me or something. Um, so I did not reach immediately for The gun. You know, I'm I'm going down this sort of mental checklist of you know the things that I had learned in the in the tactical classes that um, that I've taken over the years, and you know, after exhausting all of these options, still having these people coming coming after me, and now having this guy coming up on my blind side, at that point they left me with no choice. I had to draw for for my own defense. I had to draw to stop them from what I perceived was imminent uh, unlawful physical force.
0: Mm-hmm. And when you, what were you thinking when you drew the weapon? Were you scared?
2: Yeah, I was scared. Of course I was scared. Uh, I, I couldn't believe that I had to do that, you know? And, and, and fortunately everybody stopped when I drew, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very glad, you know, when I drew, I issued the verbal commands. Everybody needs to get the hell back, get the hell back. I'm very thankful that they did. Um, Everybody either stopped or backed away from me at that point. Um, I'm very thankful that things did not escalate to the next level there. Um, you know, some people, you know, now I don't know the level of training some of these keyboard jockeys may have, but, you know, some people are saying that, you know, if I was actually in fear, then I would have fired. But, you know, I would look at, I would uh, respond to that by saying that. You know, I was taught to shoot until the threat has been neutralized. In this particular case, merely drawing the gun neutralized the threats, and I did not have to fire around it. I'm very thankful for that.
0: Why would you have the additional ammo with you and the extended clip or extended magazine?
2: Well, there's no law that limits the amount of ammo someone can have on their person. Um if there were that'd be a pretty scary situation because uh you know 22 ammo comes in in bricks of like 300 some odd rounds and 500 some odd rounds so you know and if there was some kind of law on the books limiting that and someone just you know came from Cabela's or Fisherman's Marine with you know a 500 pack of 22 god are they felons now <laughs> would 500-pack would, would uh, bricks, as they're called, uh, would those be banned under that sort of thing? So, um, yeah, it, it's not illegal or unlawful to have that much ammo on you. You
0: carried it because?
2: Because you never know what's going to happen. You know, I, I was taught to be prepared, you know. Um, I was also taught to carry everywhere, make it habitual, <laughs> you know, because you never know when, when trouble comes. When trouble's going to show up, you know, trouble doesn't announce itself a day ahead of time. If so, then the smart thing to do is just stay away from it. You know, and some people would say that I should have just stayed away from this particular protest. Um, but there were no indications that this particular protest was going to get violent. Uh, in fact, it was mostly peaceful up until the time that Benjamin Carenza and the others decided to, you know, stage a physical confrontation with me. At that point, that's when the protest stopped being peaceful.
0: Don't don't start nothing. Won't be nothing.
2: Right, and and I wasn't there to start anything. And, and my video proves it. because I was rolling film the whole time. You know, um, you know I'm certainly not there to start arguments with people or to try to start fights or cause any trouble. I'm there to film what's going on. You know, I, I really look at it like a fly on the wall. Mentality is what I have when it comes to uh, a lot of my video work, especially covering protests. Um, and, you know, if, if going there to, to, to cause trouble, you know,
0: have you ever gone to a protest and caused trouble?
2: Not that I can recall.
0: But as we'll find out in this series, this this was just the beginning. A Strickland's appeals attorney, which should tell you something about the case, his appeals attorney, Robert Barnes, said in 2018, if Mike Strickland isn't safe, then nobody is safe. Here he is in 2018, two years after the incident, arguing for an appeal for Strickland. Note his prescience. The guy totally called it.
3: The judicial branch hasn't figured out, other than Brett Kavanaugh experiencing it personally, the rest of the judicial branch hasn't hasn't deduced what's happening in the public arena, what's happening at these protests, what's happening at these social gatherings, what's happening in these tactics, these mob tactics that are being utilized. So the reason why the press is so nervous about the use of the word mob is because of how accurate it depicts their tactics and techniques over the past two years. Tactics they experimented a little bit with Occupy Wall Street, but that went sideways because everybody was busy assaulting everybody side so that you know but they're going returning back to those roots and those are dangerous roots for the uh, for political expression it's going back to the street violence of the 1920s and 1930s as a technique and a tactic and the court system doesn't realize it's happening and they're saying oh these are just some complaining conservatives so you know I was talking to a high-end tech lawyer It's like oh these are just complaining conservatives um, about Facebook and Google and YouTube and then of course it comes out and then yesterday Facebook is getting rid of a bunch of le- lefty sites and they're all shocked and it's like Why are you shocked? This was the plan. Um, The dissenting groups in China will be next, other people will be next. So it will be an international uh, effort to censor and shame. And And then the other aspect is the stalking behaviors and mob-like behaviors, of which the black bloc is the front line. When you saw the media publicly defend Antifa, uh, then you knew just what the objective was, the agenda was. And Antifa's been walking. In the few cases where they've been prosecuted, they're being prosecuted in very liberal and left-wing jurisdictions, the effect of which has been that they walked. So right now, if you're in the black block, what do you think? I can harass somebody and get away with it. I can harass somebody and get them arrested if they try to defend themselves. Uh, and that's what they want. They want people to not defend themselves so that they feel terrified, so that they feel scared, so that they feel frightened, so that their behavior can be publicly and privately coerced. Um, and that's the danger and the threat. And that's why this case is much bigger than one person. But this battle would be just the beginning of a long, extended battle. The Whatever happens here, there'll be other courts to be, dealing with and there'll be other uh, remedies to be sought. Uh, But the advantage is if this can happen to him here, it can happen to anyone anywhere, and it means nobody is safe. Uh, And that's why this case is so significant.
0: Next time, in the case of Mike Strickland on the Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft, when everybody hates you. This week's episode of the Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft is brought to you by victoriataft.com and our antifa action figures just in time for your christmas buying season there's radar from soy stream news miss warlord and our special collection of the real housewives of antifa Batgirl, the Antifa camp counselors, and much, much more. Look for my web store soon at Zazzle. Get the link at victoriataft.com soon and put your favorite characters on shirts, mugs, masks, stationery. Mock your favorite leftist. Collect all 12 initial characters and make a calendar. Enjoy these unique and beautifully illustrated figures. Uh, Not the way they see themselves, but the way we see them. Editing, mastering, advertising, technical support, and understanding for the Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft is by 1A Cast. The music is gospel by the March 4th Band of Portland, Oregon. Music for the case of Mike Strickland is Ride or Die by R.C., and it is used by permission. Find R.C. on all social sites at Raps by R.C., Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and Instagram at Raps by R.C. Imaging for the adult in the room podcast with Victoria Taft is by one a cast logo by Hageman creative. Find him on Instagram. Photo of Victoria Taft is by Hilly Collective. The adult in the room podcast is produced by Flamingo Road Studios. All rights reserved.